My name is Andy Field. You're listening to the Emerald Podcast Network. Hey there, listeners. This is the Emerald's Political Podcast. My name is Zach Moss, and I'm a political columnist for the Daily Emerald. And I am Alec Cowan, and I'm also a political columnist for the Daily Emerald. And today we're going to be talking about terrorism. For that reason, I think I'm going to name this episode Terrorism Talk. (laughs) So today... First and foremost, we're going to be starting off by discussing a guy named Reza Aslan. He is an Iranian-American author, public intellectual, religious studies scholar, producer, and television host visited who visited the University of Oregon on Tuesday. First and foremost, Alec, do you have any like starting comments about this? Um, it was, I think, a great uh, speaker to have come to this university. I, I think that he is definitely one of the faces that a lot of people recognize when it comes to discussions on Islam and the defense of Islam specifically, um, which I think is something that could be used a lot more, especially on major news networks uh, like he appears, and also just in general, in in everyday conversation. I think that Islam itself is something that is not covered enough, really. And, and it's I applaud him for, for doing what he does and especially getting on big stages like he does. Totally. I think that uh, throughout Reza's discussion, he mentioned a lot of interesting points that I think we should break down, including terrorism, minorities in the U.S., and uh, last but not least, if we get to it, Trumpism. Um, So to start off, he had mentioned a poll that was taken by YouGov that concluded that earlier this year, um, 55% of Americans who were surveyed had unfavorable opinion about Islam. So... That's a little controversial because that was a big point that he mentioned, but but he never actually mentioned who took the poll. So when he originally said it, it sounded like it was a representation of all Americans because that was his point was that 55% of Americans had an unfavorable opinion about Islam. However, once I looked farther into it because uh, Huffington Post wrote an article about that and that uh, very statistic, and I decided to look farther into it, and it turns out that the majority of people who were in the poll were 45-year-old white males. I don't know about you guys, but that doesn't exactly sound like it properly represents America's point of view, right? I guess you could also say that Donald Trump doesn't really give an accurate representation of Americans either, but I mean, we've seen how far he's gone in this election, and and I think that uh, polls themselves have a lot of deficiencies in them. And generally, they are pretty small pools and pretty specific pools of, of information. But um, I, I certainly think that that statistic doesn't belittle the overlying attitude of a lot of Americans and a lot of the hostilities that, that do exist. Um, I think that there are still a lot of shortcomings that we have when it comes to things like Islam and especially the, the especially this election, the numerous subjects that attach themselves to Islam, like the Syrian refugees, uh, just like what domestic terrorism even means. And I think that statistic aside, it's it's still something that really needs to be addressed and something that he addresses pretty well, I think, in the limelight. Yeah, yeah, but... Where it really starts to get controversial for me is the fact that what the poll kind of presented was this one, just one single point of view saying that all Americans supported that. And it was, it's kind of like, to me, 
personally, that's kind of the same as like citing your racist grandparents' opinion and pretending like that represents the entire U.S. And look, the people outside of the country read these polls and judging Americans because this represents America. And so my point is that when people give us numbers and percentages like these, like uh, like this guy did, we should be a little skeptical unless we actually see the numbers for ourselves because they're usually meant to feed some sort of ulterior motive other than discovering the truth. Now, I'm not saying that Reza used hacky poll numbers to prove how bigoted the nation is, which, you know, given the nation is a little bigoted, but the this percentage doesn't exactly prove that. But uh, I am saying that we should, in fact, maintain some sort of skepticism about the percentages, though. Uh, I guess. I mean, I would be more concerned with what his message is than, than kind of sketchy poll numbers. Um, I think that that's more so he uses that to corroborate his points. Um, and I don't think it's necessarily the focal point of what he was trying to reach last night. Yeah, yeah, I would definitely agree with that. So while on the topic of Islamist extremism... Something I found a little interesting to mention while we're on, you know, the talk of terrorism and so on and so forth is that Newt Gingrich said during a Republican convention not too long ago that just 9% of Muslims in Pakistan view ISIS favorably. Unfortunately, though, the 9% is actually about 16 million people, and that's just from one country. Now, of course, while we're going on the topic of statistics and percentages, I took the liberty of looking up the you know the facts on this to see if you know if this is true or if this if this is just feeding into the fear on terrorism that a lot of political candidates and public figures are kind of looking at. Um, so political political fact fact checked uh, Newt Gingrich and found out. Drum roll, please. He's actually right, and that's actually kind of disturbing. So PolitiFact continues by explaining that according to a 2015 Pew Research poll, only 28% of people in Pakistan had an unfavorable view of ISIS, and a majority of Pakistanis, 62%, had no opinion on the extremist group. That is insane. So I bring this up because although we're getting this whole discussion about terrorism, and there's a lot of public figures who are talking about how America's unfavorable towards Muslims, apparently, and things like that. I figured this is probably something important to mention because this is there's a lot of repercussions behind this because if there's such a high number of people supporting ISIS, how does that how does that change the geopolitical landscape and how does that change the politics within inside the U.S.? Well, I think even if you were to compare the populations of Pakistan and the United States, there'd be there'd be incomparable. I mean, I, I don't think that uh, trying to compare Pakistan's especially relationship with Islam and history with Islam to the United States geopolitical um, relationship with Islam is is very uh, appropriate or or even warranted. I mean, especially if you go back into the history of Pakistan, you look at the, Pakistan does have a known kind of indifference towards Al Qaeda and and the, their presence in Afghanistan, but there's a lot of historic issues that go into that. I mean, you look at the Indian-Pakistani split. Um, into countryhood and how there, there's a lot of issues with with land in that situation, especially since India got majority of the land in that bargain and the the presence of Al Qaeda in in Af uh, Afghanistan almost left this kind of open door for for the presence of Pakistan in Afghanistan and and kind of this this very territorial battle and I think that even to say to kind of quote just Pakistan, especially as as, as kind of a focal point of well. 
here's a, a population that doesn't have either a an opinion on uh, ISIS or there is kind of this this small um, group that does believe in ISIS. I mean, it, it's easy. It is easy to say that you know, nineteen percent, sixteen percent is is a significant amount of people, you know, how many millions of people. But when you consider the larger scope of Islam as 1.6 billion people, it's it's not even 1% of exactly. the total Muslim population. I mean, it's not even, even to say that, I mean, it's easy to throw on these statistics and say that 19 million people is a lot of people. But in the larger scope of things, 1.6 billion, I mean, 19 million doesn't even scratch the surface of that. Definitely. And so that's kind of the point where I was kind of edging towards, which was, these are some scary statistics, right? But I think we need to look a little bit deeper about these things. And I'm talking about statistics, not only with the ones that are talking about the the amount of Americans who uh, have an unfavorable view about Muslims, but also the amount of, say, Muslims in the world that have a favorable view of ISIS. I think with these statistics, we need to look a little bit farther into it. And in the case with what you had just mentioned about the amount of Muslims in the world, I think you put it in great perspective of, hey, look, that might 18 million people, that might be a lot of people. But in the grand spectrum of things, if you're looking at the, you know, billions or, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of people all across the entire world, that's that's nothing. And so I just bring that point up because it's important to remember those things as we even continue towards the end of this uh, presidential race, especially. Yeah, I mean, frame of reference is very important, especially when considering things like religion and, and very intense and topical things like, like terrorism and especially Islamic terrorism. Um, and, and to kind of talk about Trumpism, I guess, a little bit, I mean, I think that certainly there is a rise in just kind of a white... Um, fear, I guess. There, I mean, a white insecurity um, when it comes to kind of changing tides and changing polls and, and the idea of minority voters uh, soon encapsulating the white vote and, and things like that. And I think that he's very much a representation of those fears. And that leads to things, um, to rhetoric that is is hostile towards anyone that is is not white. And, and that includes uh, Muslims. That includes um African Americans and Latinos, or as he likes to he likes to reference them, the African Americans or, or the Hispanics and Latinos. And this, uh, I was a long time talked about the other ring that Donald Trump presents, and it certainly is. Uh, I mean, anybody looks at it, the African Americans, the Hispanics. It certainly does say other. It says something as separate than the white majority, and that is certainly something that Donald Trump has preyed on in this election, and, and I think really continues to propel him forward. And and that's just, I mean, that's certainly a scary situation. I mean, certainly for, for Muslims in the country, and we have these refugees coming in, and that is certainly a scary thing to have someone on the brink of, um, you know, on the on the opportunity for presidency kind of spewing these kinds of things. Yeah, very true. I think it's just a matter of perspective at this point. I think we've all gotten a general idea about the conflict at hand, at least as much as we're willing to accept at this point. And I think how it relates to Trump is the fact that whatever our views are of him, whatever his his scapegoats are, a lot of them are out in the open at this point. And so as we move forward, I think we all have a, whatever our views are at this point is probably pretty close to what they're going to be by the time this presidential race is done. Now, my general question is how are these discussions 
about, say, terrorism and Muslims and things like that, how is all of that going to change by the time this election is over and people aren't going to use that as scapegoats as much? Well, at least I would hope they don't use that as much. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, I think that's a very I, – I, one of the more interesting things to do at this point in the election is to wonder what happens afterwards, I think. I mean, I, I, like you were saying, everything that has been said pretty much has been said. I mean, everything that can be done has been done. Um, at least we would hope. And a lot of the focus now is what happens afterwards. What, what, how does the country work in a, in a Trump presidency, in a, in a Clinton presidency? And certainly the refugee crisis and, and, and the, you know, as Trump would put it, the infiltration of possible ISIS operatives is, I don't know. I don't, I'm not quite sure if that will fade away, if that will still continue. I mean, if Trump TV... Um, goes up as planned. We may he may be the new Glenn Beck. He might be the new Newt Gingrich. He or Rush Limbaugh. He very well could be the person that continues to push these issues, as, even <laughs> as America wants to get over them. And I think he will have a substantial audience, um, as we can see so far, if if that does launch like that. And that's I, I I'm not sure. I mean, it's kind of scary to think of uh, a national broadcast that is not proclaiming to be as unbiased as something like Fox News is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, hold up there. But you mentioned Trump broadcasting, and I kind of flinched for a second. To everybody who's uh, listening in right now, I kind of moved away really quick. That's, that's something I don't I don't want that to be dropped on me real quick like that. I think we need to ease into that, that part of the conversation. Oh, my God. I can only handle so much of those people at once, Glenn Beck and, you know, all the rest kind of all the radicals on both sides, to be honest. I mean, even with all this uncertainty, and especially with the media, like we just talked about, you know, God forbid there's a Trump television. One thing that I can say for certain, after everything that has been said up to this point, whether it be politics, whether it be Muslims, whether it be terrorism and so on and so forth, is that I myself will be glad when it's all over. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. Um, and I think that, that what... Americans really need to do at this point is is to educate themselves. I think that there's certainly a a movement to try and do that. To and this election has certainly called forth uh, a lot of issues that a lot of people are are particularly ignorant about. It brings that brings out things like racism and sexism and things that really kind of exist outside of the traditional economic talk, the traditional policy talk. And these things are uh, amazing opportunities for people to educate themselves on really important issues. And I think that too often we expect the people that are oppressed or the people that um, face these these horrible things, we expect them to educate us on, on how to fix those things. And I think that oftentimes we need a lot more people to educate themselves on those situations. And at and, and this point, we don't need Muslims to explain to us that they're not terrorists. We need, we need people that aren't Muslims. We need, we need white people. We need Christians to educate themselves on why Islamists are not terrorists. And, and I think that that is one of the overarching messages from this election is, is just education. It's just, it's finally election where even though we, we hate the people running that they bring out a lot of things in us that we didn't know we still had. And, and that's a lot of opportunities to grow outside and, and past those those issues and, and insecurities. And um, I think that if anything comes from this election, that it'll be very growing pain type of election, I think. <laughs>
Well, that's all we have time for today. You've just heard us talk about Reza Aslan, terrorism, and Donald Trump. And again, I'm Zach Moss, and you can follow me on Twitter at ZachMoss6. And I'm Alec Cowan, uh, also a political columnist for The Daily Emerald, and you can follow me at SirAlec underscore 9542. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.